and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who's always looking for a better opportunity. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I would love to yes and you, except I think that would be two intros in a, in a row in which I was leaving to start my own <laughs> other thing. And I don't really want to do that. So for this purpose, for those purposes, no, I'm not looking for a better thing because I've already found it and it's this show. That's how you shut down a transfer room of people. That's how you shut it down. You let the people know that you're already <laughs> at your dream club and you're not going anywhere. But, Daryl, I should add, but you never know what happens in the future. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> Curse you. <laughs> Curse you. All right, so on today's show, we are going to be rounding up all the U.S. men's national team and future U.S. men's national team yeah. players that are either likely or maybe or possibly on the move this summer slash fall Mm because the transfer window we think will go all the way to october 5th right so it's a long transfer window but there are players who could be on the move um some to bigger and better things some just because they need new employment yes (laughs) we we will get through um all of those but first we have to start with a guy who really has got his dream move and he's making it work because chelsea won norwich nil Giroud goal pool assist Oh, that was the dream move? I thought you were meaning uh, getting to embrace Olivier Giroud. I thought that was the dream move that we all kind of hoped for uh, late at night. There was, did, did you see Giroud push Jorginho away? My favorite part of say, the celebration. You're not involved with this. <laughs> this is me and Christian. And I'm sure that was just a, like, like uh, you know, adrenaline running high. He, like, shows him, like, yeah, we're doing it. But in the moment, yeah, it yeah. definitely looked like, no, I want to hug Christian. Get away from me. Yeah. Yes. I think he also said, go talk to Sari. <laughs> <laughs> It's what I do whenever I see Alexis. I shove him away to hug Christian. <laughs> why, why not? Why, why not? <laughs> He's the one that does all the tech work. Right? Exactly. So he deserves a hug. <laughs> Christian deserves a hug. Um, but let's talk about this Pulisic assist, right? Mm-hmm. Because here's an interesting thing. I saw footage, I'm assuming it was from before this game, footage in the tunnel of Giroud and Pulisic essentially having a chat. Mm-hmm. And Giroud looked like he was just asking for crosses. He was doing these sort of forward, up and down hand motion that basically says, you know, cross the ball in, up and down. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is soccer suddenly that simple? Like Giroud's like, I'm tall. I, I had things good. Cross it into me. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe it's just him being like, hey, just so you know. I mean, because we've both had that, right? Where like you get that l- quick little briefing uh, right before the game's about to start. Like, hey, that guy's not doing this. Or like, hey, I think this might be on. So maybe it was yeah. just a reminder. It could also well be that this was something that they had identified as a vulnerability and were looking to exploit. And maybe that was Giroud just reminding Pulisic, I'm good in the air. Uh, if in doubt, cross it in and I'll make something happen. Yeah. And that's pretty much what happens for the goal. Do you know what? It just reminded me that it is a very basic, obvious thing, Giroud saying to his winger, hey, cross mm-hmm. the ball, yep. right? <laughs> but it is, it's also the kind of thing we do before we start recording, yep. right? And we've recorded thousands of Total Soccer shows, but just before we started tonight, I was like, hey, are you definitely recording? Mm-hmm. And you obviously were, but it's just like a, a weird, last-minute, nervous, double-check, make-sure-everything's-okay thing, right? So that might be what Giroud is up to. It, it's then- weirder to me when you're like, hey, make sure you talk into the microphone, which sometimes I am <laughs> facing the opposite way, so it's a good call. <laughs> you gotta got to get the details right. <laughs> got to get the details right. <laughs> Cross the I's and dot the T's. Um, but the other thing is, if you think about Christian Pulisic, mm-hmm. right, the thing that he's great at is dribbling into the box, right? Penetrating the box and making something happen, even with a, e- either with a late run or dribbling from outside to inside, getting in the box, tricking Diop into tripping him over. Mm-hmm. Something like that, right? It is quite, not rare, but it is less common to see a Christian Pulisic assist that comes from a Christian Pulisic cross. Right. And I think that's why this assist made me especially happy yeah i mean it it, it made me uh, very happy as well but i'm with you that it is also very strange and it was strange in this game where he so often was like far more central than i than i think yeah. i was expecting to see him so that I then think, his i think that was a plan and i'd like to get into it later. yeah 
But I think then with that in mind, if you told me, like, with what I, what I did see of this game, if you told me, like, oh, he got an assist, I would have thought, oh, it's, you know, combining through the middle, he has a quick little layoff, Giroud finishes. It would yeah. not have been via cross. Uh, and I already would have been sort of uh, surprised to hear that he, he got the assist off the cross for the reasons you mentioned. So doubly so for me from this game. <laughs> do you want to talk about the cross or do you want to talk about the tactical stuff? Let's go tactics, actually. Okay, so here's what I really liked. I think that Frank Lampard was being a clever, clever guy. Mm -hmm. And the reason Pulisic was more central, because he really was, like it's supposed to be a sort of front three of Pulisic on the left, Giroud in the middle, Willian on the right, right? But what I saw was Willian was quite often the actual wide right guy. Mm -hmm. And Pulisic was almost either underneath Giroud or alongside him in the middle and operating in that space. And it was Alonso, Marcus Alonso, who was providing the width down that left flank. I think this was about sort of pinning Norwich back down that side, right? To make sure, um, for example, Cantwell, you don't want him getting forward and getting at you because he can embarrass you, right? He's a very uh, tricky player. Um, If you've got the right back, Max Ahrens, already worrying about Pulisic in that inside spot, and then you've got Cantwell worrying about Alonso pushing forward all the time, then suddenly you kind of nullify Cantwell by just forcing him to defend the whole match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, and that is what they did because I think it is Cantwell that Pulisic beats to get it that cross is. off. Yeah, yeah. I, and no one else has hair like that. New, no. and that it's he did. I think he trimmed it though because he used to be able to like pull it back a, a bit more readily. But we <laughs> we can get it to Todd Cantwell's hair at a later date. For now, uh, and it is Aaron's being pulled out uh, by, and then there's like the deceptive little play by Marcos Alonso that plays in Christian Pulisic, and it definitely yeah. does pull Norwich back. But I also agree with you that I think Pulisic's movement is designed to create that confusion to create overloads in the middle if they can but then it also does sort of leave Norwich having to defend in a different way than they probably want to and you're absolutely right it means pulling Todd Cantwell back which limits his ability to hurt Chelsea in transition and it's clever right because Pulisic stays central and as Norwich is stepping out the whole defense is stepping up stepping up he makes that lateral run from the center out to the left because everybody's pushed a little bit too high and he finds that bit of space Mm -hmm. and in a way Cantwell does well to sprint back and square up to him um, but I, I watched this many, many times, and it's the classic Pulisic thing of he just waits a little bit until Cantwell sort of made a step towards him. And it's as he's making that step that Pulisic just has the tiny touch, little bit of space. He's so quick, so fast at doing it. And then he can shape that cross in mm-hmm. for Giroud. Yeah, and I think it's also that he he went for some shooting opportunities at points in this game, and I think maybe if you're Norwich, you think he's going to try to beat me with the acceleration, and then maybe he's going to cut back again. So I think Cantwell maybe isn't expecting that cross the way we weren't expecting that cross. Uh, maybe he's less aware of it in the moment, but I think he is much more preoccupied with not getting beaten and then allowing an easy shooting opportunity yeah. for Pulisic, so much so that he then allows a much more uncontested cross than I think uh, the, uh, Norwich would have liked. So there we go. Um, are you good on this game, Tyler? Yeah. It finishes Chelsea beating Norwich 1-0. That keeps Chelsea in third place in the Premier League. Champions League football looking more and more likely for Christian Pulisic next season. And also possibly briefly against Bayern Munich uh, in the round of 16 second leg. Yeah. yeah briefly. Briefly being the word there, yeah. <laughs> Unless there's a miracle. Who knows, right? Uh, Yeah, I think it would take a miracle. Although Christian Pulisic could pull that off. And if so, I'm pretty sure Twitter will explode. I'm sure it will. We we might get like a Pulisic versus Davies matchup uh, at occasional moments. I mean, that's one one to look forward to for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, Should we talk about uh, US players on the move then? I suppose we should. So we've split this up so that we've each done the research um, into, you know, various players who might be on the move. And I think we're just going to go back and forth. I want to invite you to start, Taylor, because I think, I think you might have the most exciting player. Would that be... I was going to make a joke, but uh, I'm assuming you mean Serginho Dest. Absolutely. Mm, Absolutely. 
Serginho Dest, uh, 19-year-old American. American, I should emphasize, fullback. Not Dutch-American anymore. He's full American now. Uh, well, it's, actually, it's worth noting that he's mm-hmm. Dutch-American because that gives him the EU passport. It, it means he has no trouble going to any league he wants. But you know what? Hands off other national teams. He's ours. That's how it's <laughs> going to be. Um, who did more or less establish himself as a capable starter uh, for Ajax. There was still a lot of him playing because of other players' injuries. It wasn't necessarily yeah. that he was the out-and-out starter by the end, but I think for his age, uh, showing his ability and showing uh, uh, improvement in his overall ability, I think, is where you're seeing a lot of that hype. I think also some of the rumors you've seen correspond with the quote he gave uh, from, I believe, late June. The quote was, I want to be the most expensive fullback ever, because when you reach that, it shows you are one of the best fullbacks in the world. I want to go for over 50 million euros. No defender went uh, above 100 million. I want to play with Mbappe, Ronaldo, Messi, or Neymar. Time will tell uh, if it will come true, but it is possible. How how old was Sergio Dest when he was uh, making these uh, ambitious claims? Is this like me saying I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid? <laughs> what, what do you mean, when this quote happened? Yeah. I mean, this is from about a month ago. Oh, okay. So this is fully adult Serginho Dest. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, and I think that then explains why, like, suddenly Juve are in the mix. Like, when you say, I want to play with Ronaldo, I think they make those connections. PSG were probably already in the conversation as well, because PSG are always in the conversation when it comes to uh, expensive players who want moves. Um, <laughs> and that is where we get to what I think would be the best for Serginho Dest or the moves that I wouldn't mind see happening, unless there's anything else you'd like to uh, add about Serginho Dest before we get to rampant speculation. We just said the two most consistent rumors I've seen mm-hmm. are Bayern Munich yep. um, and Barcelona. Right. Either of which would just be mind-blowing yep. for um, a U.S. men's national team player mm-hmm. to be playing for, right? Uh, yes, and those are the two main ones, you are correct. I think some of that it relates to him saying that Barcelona was like the team he supported growing up, and then when you combine that with wanting to play with Messi, uh, Barcelona also have the established relationship with Ajax, so all of that makes sense. Yeah, it does fit. He fits the style, right? And he I know does. they're not thrilled with Nelson Semedo, so it's, it is... Weirdly, a possibility. It's not like peak Dani Alves is playing right back for Barcelona right now and there's no way into the team. But it is worth noting with that in mind that he can play either position. He could be a left back or a right back. So you do have Jordi Alba not getting going anywhere anytime soon not being supplanted anytime soon so it is then that one spot where he would be sort of vying with Nelson Semedo who hasn't set the world alight you're correct but also has not been one of the problem areas for Barcelona they have had many problem areas and so if they are reinforcing this summer maybe they do it across the board but I think more likely is they try to offload some players while reinforcing in a couple positions of need so I don't know if that would even happen for Dest, and if it did, I don't know if it would be the best move. I think in terms of his development, staying put or going to Bayern Munich are probably the two best choices. Okay, so let's boil down the two then. I, mm-hmm. I would make the case for staying at Ajax yeah. because, as you mentioned, he's not the starting right back, right? No. If Masraoui is fit, mm-hmm. it's very likely that Masraoui starts um, at right back. I would also add, Sergio Dest, um, Ajax were top of the Eredivisie uh, when the season was declared null and void. But he does not get an Eredivisie winner's medal. He hasn't won the Eredivisie. I would love for Des to stay an extra year, um, either like compete or earn, or you know at least be be very present in that right back spot. Win the Eredivisie, Mm -hmm. right? Go for it. And they're they're back in the Champions League because they they were given the Champions League spot for being in the top uh, the top places when the season was declared null and void. Mm -hmm. So I don't see the harm in staying at Ajax for another year. 
And if all these rumors weren't floating around, I don't even think we'd be giving it another thought, right? Until no. all this Bayern Munich stuff started started being mentioned. It's not dissimilar to me from Christian Pulisic. Obviously, Pulisic has already gotten the move, and that is what part of the reason why we're not talking about him here. But yeah, it would be that same thing of like, no, he's getting regular appearances for a team that is challenging for, for the title that is historically major and will be in the Champions League. All of those are reasons for him to stay. If he goes to Bayern Munich, it is worth noting that this is a club that are willing to take chances on younger players. It's why Alfonso Davies has become such a critical performer for them. Uh, But same thing as Jordi Alba. He has got that left side locked down. So unless Hansi Flick decides to move him, it would basically be Serginho Dest versus uh, Benjamin Pavar. Pavar is a center back or can also play center back. But it still would be a player that he would have to kind of find a way around or really prove that he can uh, be better than, which means he's probably going to be on the bench or would have to kind of prove it in training. Maybe he's with Byron too, and that is a step down. So I think if he's moving to another club, I wouldn't mind it being Bayern Munich because they have the sort of established pipeline, and I, and I have the faith that he would at least get an opportunity, and it wouldn't be sort of just like stockpiling players just in case. Yeah, but yeah. I think in terms of I getting Pravard, regular minutes, I Pravard would just be. Pavard would just be his new Masrawi, right? Yeah. He'd be kind of competing for a right-back mm-hmm. spot, so it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Mm-mm. I mean, I won't, I won't be sad if it does happen. I also really wouldn't be sad if he did go to Juve or maybe even PSG, uh, just because I think PSG, they have many, many fullbacks, don't get me wrong, but I think it's not as though they have lights-out, world-class fullbacks there. Juve, again, I think that... Thomas Juve- Mounier just left for Dortmund, didn't he? He did. They've still got Kurzawa and uh, Rafinha, and I think they've got a couple more in there, so they've still got plenty of people who can uh, contest for that for that starting spot. Um, and Juve is the same, but I think both of those teams, it feels like there's more chance for him than at Barcelona, and Barcelona also feels like a much more chaotic environment to be stepping into right now. The final thing I'd add is I have seen reporting mm-hmm. um, in Germany that essentially Bayern and Ajax are very, very far apart on the transfer fee. Yes. That I think uh, Bayern are bidding something like 20 million euros and Ajax are asking for a lot, lot more. Mm-hmm. And it may be that because things are so uncertain in the coronavirus economy, this may be a thing that's so far apart, neither is really willing to budge too much. I'm glad you brought that up because that was something I meant to say at the outset, is that we could make that point. With See, this is why you don't want to move, Taylor. You don't want to move to another team because you, you wouldn't get this kind of treatment. I, th- there it is. Uh, but it is something that I think I would end up saying about every single one of these is there should be lots of grains of sand taken with what we're talking about because we still just don't know how COVID-19 is going to disrupt the transfer market. It yeah. could be that teams panic and overspend. It could be that nobody spends because nobody wants to kind of roll the dice so yeah the point to your point about the kind of disparity in that transfer valuation I'm not surprised to hear that because I think Ajax have very little reason to sell Serginho Dest Bayern Munich have very little reason to spend more than they want to because they have the depth they have right now Uh, and so you might still see that those teams at an impasse for the duration and it might be that he ends up staying at Ajax it might be that he moves tomorrow for 40 million but that seems (laughs) far less likely than them hammering out some sort of negotiated fee at some point i guess what we're both saying as well is we're happy either way right it's fine mm-hmm. to watch Serginho Dest play another year at ajax it's an amazing team to be at we used to dream of americans being back at ajax after the john o'brien era right so we should just be lucky uh be grateful for what we've got um but it would be nice to watch the bundesliga and not watch americans go up against the buying machine and get crushed every week yeah it would be nice to have an american driving the buying steamroller uh, yeah, let's, let, let's hope for that as opposed to being underneath the steamroller. <laughs> All right, moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, my first player is 
Anthony Robinson, 22-year-old left-back, currently at Wigan Athletic. He has been linked with Milan, mm-hmm. where he went in January and failed the medical. It was all very mysterious. Then it turned out he had that heart problem, which has right. since been fixed, right? So he almost went to Milan. That, that move nearly happened. But things have changed at Milan, or they seem to be about to, right? Mm-hmm. Stefano Pioli is the coach right now. Yeah. Ralph Ranić has not been confirmed as head coach and sporting director for next season. But it feels like the worst kept secret in football, right? That yeah. that is what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, Fair? Yeah, it feels like a little bit of a dead man walking situation <laughs> when it comes to everything that's happening at Milan right now. Yeah. Um, so I started thinking about uh, Robinson to Milan under Ralph Ranić mm-hmm. and stylistically it would be a good fit, right? Because Ralph Ranić is, he's famous for his spell at Hoffenheim. He's famous for his couple of spells at Leipzig. He plays that sort of Red Bull style that we're very familiar with. That's the four, two, two, two. And then your width comes from your attacking fullbacks. That's what Anthony Robertson's all about, right? He is fleet of foot. He's very smart about like constantly being on his toes on the move, finding space. Um, He's almost like a winger that's playing left back. So I think he'd be kind of perfect for Milan. But Theo Hernandez is already there. And Milan are very invested in Theo Hernandez. So if Anthony Robinson does go to Milan, he would be going there as a backup. Very I mean, isn't, much so. isn't that basically what they said? They, they, like, yes. I think they were said they wanted a cost-effective option as a replacement slash deputy if the situation required it. And that yeah. would be Anthony Robinson. So it would be exciting for Anthony yeah. Robinson to go to Milan, but I wouldn't expect to see all that much of him early on um it's also worth noting what's going on at wigan right let's yeah. check back in so we mentioned the wigan situation what a couple shows ago you can go and listen to us talk about it in quite a lot of detail but essentially or maybe allegedly what we think is going on um is the owners have deliberately put the club into administration mm-hmm. which means there'll be a 12 point deduction which would have made sure that wigan were relegated right because when you take 12 points away it really sinks you down the table as of this week's 8-0 win over Hull, I'm guessing from your laugh you know about this, right? Mm-hmm. Wigan are currently 12 points clear of relegation mm-hmm. in the championship with two games to go. And they have a better goal difference than anyone around the relegation zone because their goal difference is plus one. Mm-hmm. Everybody else's is like deep negative. So Wigan have really pulled together after the essentially the ownership group tried to sink it. And it looks like a really great team spirit that's like, no, we're not going to let you do this to us. Um, and Wigan might be staying up. So there's, there's that aspect of it, right? It's quite until exciting the, to watch Robinson be part of that. Until the, ownership, the new ownership group uh, decrees that they can't wear like boots anymore. You can only wear flip-flops <laughs> during games. Well, here's, here's the thing. We don't need to be rooting for relegation for Anthony Robertson to get a move. No. Because, because they put the club into administration, even if they stay up in the championship, in administration means that you're not really going to be spending any money at all because right. the, the administrators are there to essentially sell off what you've got to pay your outstanding debts. So it kind of means that Anthony Robinson is a really saleable asset, right? So he'll probably be on the move anyway because of the administration, whether Wigan get relegated or not. It's basically um, uh, Chris Traeger and Ben Wyatt, right? Coming in and just being like, we're stripping everything. We're gutting it with, gutting it with a knife, essentially, is yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Except Chris, yeah, Chris Traeger's really nice and then Ben Wyatt comes in and sells exactly. <laughs> we want to keep everybody here we love the vibe here uh ben's got some news for you uh yes we're selling all of our players yes that is basically how it's going to go down so there's another transfer rumor emerged this week and i think i like it it is if ben chilwell is sold by leicester city then leicester city might be interested in bringing anthony robinson in as some sort of left back replacement for ben chilwell. Mm, i like this i like that yes 
So stylistically kind of similar, right? Both left backs, Chilwell and Robinson, love to get forward. They love to like weirdly not just stick to the outside, but they find the space in the inseam and sort of head into midfield or into on a diagonal run in towards goal. Like two really attacking fullbacks who don't just go up and down the touchline, right? No brexhaying going on here. Um, it's also true that Leicester's only other left back right now is a 34-year-old Christian Fuchs who just signed a one-year contract extension. Um, so and I believe gave the ball away. Gave the ball away for a goal this past weekend. So oh, did it? not great. Oh, not Christian. great from him, Christian. Um, so, so even if Chilwell doesn't leave, there's still a chance that Robinson could go in there mm-hmm. and be the backup and get some Premier League minutes, right? Because the thing that would be holding this like Chilwell out, Robinson in, the thing that would be holding this up is that Leicester, as you know, as a Manchester United fan, Taylor, um, they drive a long, hard bargain. And the negotiating yeah. for Chilwell, if Chelsea come in for him or whatever, could take a very long time and they'll drive the price as high as possible and it might not even happen. The thing there, though, is that like that's where they're trying to extract as much money as they can because they know they have this prized asset. Whereas yeah. with Anthony Robinson, it, it it feels to me like if you're playing FIFA and you're like haggling over a seventy million euro like pound transfer, and then you try to send somebody else for like one million, and the other team wants like one point five, you're like, yeah, that's fine. I'll give you one point five million. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like Wigan might not be driving that hard of a bargain, is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, especially with administration, right? It's yeah. essentially um, ev- everything must go. Mm-hmm. Everything must go. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the other possible rumour is West Brom, who might be coming up. They're in second place right now in the championship. Kieran Gibbs is their left back, but he has been injured on and off all season. And apparently there's a big push at West Brom to sign a, like a more permanent replacement left back. That could be like Anthony Robinson's uh, piggyback into the Premier League. Could be yeah. a sign in for West Brom. Um, and I also did some research on West Brom for a player we're going to talk about later. Uh, uh, did not realize that Slavon Bilic is the coach there. Uh, is using a sort of four-two-three-one approach with attacking fullbacks, so it does then kind of fit Anthony Robinson there as well. So I like that shout too. Leicester, West Brom, both make sense to me. All right, so th- yeah, that's my uh, my proposed moves for Anthony Robinson. I think my favorite is Leicester City, just because mm-hmm. the situation seems more set up for him to eventually replace Ben Chilwell. Yeah, and like the chaotic situation in the back room at Wigan is maybe a bit more difficult to understand if you're a player, whereas just a completely chaotic situation on the field is probably something he could process, and that's what Leicester would uh, be presenting him with. So why not (laughs) go from chaos to chaos, just different types of chaos? All right, Tyler, are you Uh ready for today's first sponsor? I believe I am, Mr. Grove. I believe that sponsor is our friends at Artifact. It sure is. Uh, So Artifact is personal podcast essentially mm-hmm. they help you create an audio artifact again that's the best word right i can't mm-hmm. believe how much i keep coming around to thinking they name this perfectly yep um, uh, we created an artifact with the help of george Qureshi, one of the co-founders and we had the experience of going through it so george essentially interviewed taylor and i about the experience of starting the total soccer show um he it's what 20 to 30 minutes mm-hmm. long um you can go to heyartifact.com slash tss all lowercase by the way that the TSS is lowercase, and you can listen to what George helped us create. Yeah, and it's basically, like, depending on how you want to take it, it's essentially an audio scrapbook. Like, you can use it to preserve memories and, and have kind yeah. of stories preserved for poster- posterity, not for posterity. That would be a different <laughs> thing. Um, but speaking of body parts, I guess, uh, we do also have the one about Daryl's diagnosis and treatment. That one uh, you can <laughs> still find as well if you missed it at heyartifact.com slash Daryl. Daryl, all lowercase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that one is me and my wife talking about um, all that business. Should be Daryl and Shannon. That's all I'm saying. I, I agree. I agree. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you listen to the TSS one, you also get to look at a wonderful photo of Taylor and me from 2018 mm-hmm. from the Philadelphia live show, where I think I tweeted this today. We are 
just the right amount of drunk. Yes. I still maintain there's a tweet somewhere from Jason Davis. I think it was a tweet uh, that George Qureshi had just used an episode of Howler as a beer bong. So I think George was maybe a little bit ahead of us on the drunkenness scale at that point. But it is George (laughs) who took that photo. But when George does your Hey Artifact, Mm -hmm. your Artifact interview, he will be sober. He takes his work very, very seriously. He very much does. He very much does. (laughs) I won't even make a joke about that. I will just instead say uh, that if our listeners want to pursue their own artifact, Daryl, how can they do so? You go to heyartifact.com. And if I was you, I would Mm -hmm. use the code TSS and get $40 off your first artifact. So then if you want a whole audio story about how you started your business, um, the life of a a family member or relative, a celebration of a friend if they're getting married or a celebration of a relationship as people get married, that kind of thing, artifact is the way to go. I don't think there's any other service like it. That's what Mm -hmm. makes this so, I guess, unique is the correct word here. Yeah, it it is indeed. And it's a wonderful service. So we appreciate them for providing that service and for sponsoring this episode. And one more time, it's code TSS for $40 off. All right, Tyler, we've talked Serginho Dest. Mm -hmm. We've talked Anthony Robinson. Are there any non-fullbacks we can talk about? Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about Paxton Pomacall, uh, 20-year-old midfielder for FC Dallas. This one is less of a thing we think is going to happen or there are a bunch of rumors, more so a player that we were sort of excited to talk about from a could-be-on-the-move-where-would-we-like-him-to-go standpoint. Uh, I did look at the transfer market. So this is the Imaginarium. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, and to visit the Imaginarium, I first vis- visited Transfermarkt, where I learned that uh, he has a $2 million valuation. Uh, but, you know, you never know if that's actually the valuation. He also signed a long-term deal with Dallas, so we shouldn't yeah. say, like, therefore, they will only have to pay $2 million. Uh, it probably would be maybe double that, maybe a little bit more, which is why I initially thought Freiburg would be a great uh, location for him. Mm. I don't know if they would be willing to roll the dice for that amount because they tend to spend about two to four to five million uh, on on like a per player like basis, but that's only like maybe two or three players a window. And it does seem like bringing in an American would be a little bit of a roll of a dice for them. It tends to be more established Bundesliga or Bundesliga two players that they go for. So the one that kind of makes a little bit more sense, only from a rumors standpoint is the team you mentioned already, it is Hoffenheim. Because mm. they have that Red Bull influence uh, from when Ragnick was there, from when Nagelsmann was there, and uh, they have parted ways with their coach because he was a bit too pragmatic. He was not playing the free-flowing, exciting, attacking soccer they were looking for. Do you know who they are rumored to be pursuing? Oh, is it Jesse Marsh? It is Jesse have Marsh. I've seen that rumor. Yeah. You have seen that rumor. Uh, they are uh, supposedly looking at Jesse Marsh to take over at Hoffenheim, which I would love because Hoffenheim is a team that I'm interested in. You hear about occasionally. We never really have a reason to watch them. They are like comfortably mid-table, sometimes challenging for the European places, but they don't necessarily like like uh, really become appointment television. I think they did qualify for the Europa yeah. League this time round. But with they that... They hammered Dortmund like 4-0, right? On the last yeah, day of the season. Exactly. But with that sort of uh, determination to play fun, attacking, high-energy high soccer, and if they did bring in Jesse Marsh, that seems like a great place for Paxton Pomacall to go because you have the American coach there, you have a little bit of an American connection, maybe there's just a bit more patience because Hoffenheim do also have a much larger budget than, say, Freiburg. So yeah. rolling Hoffenheim the is on- the Dietmar Hopp team, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they, ha- they have their own owner who has wealthy pockets, who likes to use that money to fund the team, much to the consternation of many other Bundesliga fans. <laughs> and so rolling the dice on Pomacall 
call wouldn't really be that much of a roll of the dice because you can spend five, six, seven million, whatever it would be, and that's not as big of an impact as some of the players they've pursued in the past and will likely pursue in the future. So I think it makes sense because he would it would be sort of a place where he's not going to have immediate pressure, but I think would still get opportunities. And I find myself he would apply being, immediate pressure. He sure would. There you go. And that's why I'm I'm pretty excited about that. The one sort of thing to note there is that FC Dallas obviously have the established cooperation agreement with Bayern Munich. And mm-hmm. if he were going to a Bundesliga team, it does seem like maybe Bayern Munich would have like right of first refusal almost. Uh, so in that case, maybe that's where he would go. But that then feels similar to what we've already talked about with Sergio Dest, what we'll probably talk about with Chris Richards, of he would be far down the depth chart, would probably be more with Byron 2 and would have to earn his way up or maybe just get a loan uh, to somewhere else uh, after kind of settling in at Byron. Uh, so if you're looking I, at a loan, if you're looking at another team anyway, I say just go to Hoffenheim directly. I mean, I do know that that, that Bayern-Dallas relationship is not a right of first refusal relationship. Mm-hmm. It's just a sort of working partnership, right? So it's not as if Bayern have any contractual or legal claim on the feet of Paxton Pomacal. <laughs> I mean... Um, do you know that? Do you know? Have you looked under his feet, a la Woody from Toy Story? It could say property of FC, FC Bayern Munich underneath I have. his shoes. I have. Okay. I looked All at right. the All-Star game in Orlando. Yeah, it was a weird moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have heard speculation that he actually has it tattooed on his lip, and that's why he grew the mustache, was to cover uh, the fact that he has property of Bayern Munich tattooed on his lip. <laughs> sort of like Henry Cavill in Superman. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> here's, here's what I find really interesting about a possible Paxton Pomacal transfer, which, again, we are kind of mm-hmm. imaginating, yeah. right? This is not a rumored thing. I don't think we've ever really tested the market on what the transfer value is of an adult Major League Soccer player going to a Bundesliga team, right? Because the only one that's done it that I know of recently is Tyler Adams, right? Mm-hmm. And Tyler Adams went from a Red Bull team to a, a Red Bull team, right? So that's not, it's not really market value in that sense, right? And I think he went for like 4 yeah. million or so. Everyone else, it's like, you know, Weston McKenney, Christian Pulisic, uh, Gio Reyna. It's been moving over there um, after you leave a development academy and going basically for free, as I understand it. So we don't have a real good sense of how much are Bundesliga teams willing to pay for young but adult players who are succeeding in Major League Soccer. So Pomica will be a great test case. I am... I keep wanting to say, like, I'm sure there are examples that we can't think of. And yet every example I think of has either been in the Bundesliga for a very long time uh, or, you're absolutely right, moved there when they were very, very young. Man, that is interesting. Because even I was thinking, like, well, Jordan Morris. But Jordan Morris would have moved there straight out of college as opposed to Mm -hmm. going uh, to Seattle. So, yeah, even there it doesn't really fit. So that would be an interesting, uh, like, change and one that, again, I would be happy to see. So, yeah, Paxton Mm -hmm. Pomacall to Hoffenheim confirmed. Another player that would test the market is Reggie Cannon. Mm -hmm. So Reggie Cannon is rumored to be on the move. Um, The rumors I've seen are, I believe, to Freiburg and to two Belgian teams. And I want to send him to Freiburg. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, (laughs) that's absolutely fair. Yes. Um, the, the reason being basically that just the Bundesliga is a much, much mm-hmm. higher standard than um, anything that's going on in Belgium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, what I find really interesting is Reggie Cannon's contract situation. Do you know about this? No. So Reggie Cannon was only earning $80,000 a year, right? Back in, back in 2019. Reggie Cannon, this was some Paul Tenorio, great Paul Tenorio reporting, signed a new contract with FC Dallas that goes through 2024, right? So quite a long-term deal. Um, this season... He's still not making very much, right? I believe it's around 100000 or so. But in 2021, 
we don't have the numbers, but apparently there's a significant salary rise. And then from 2022 onwards, there are deferred bonuses that kick in and essentially make Reggie Cannon increasingly very expensive to have on your roster, right? So the reason that Reggie Cannon and uh, FC Dallas did this deal is so that he they could come in under the cap space for this season, right? And he would play one more year. But then also FC Dallas will be motivated to sell him because essentially, if they keep him too long, he'll be just busting a big hole in the salary cap. So it's a really nice, um, like weird um, yeah. balance that Reggie Cannon and FC Dallas have set up. It's almost like a... They both know what they want in the future and they both know what they want right now, which is Reggie Cannon to play right now but be sold in the future. And you sound that up really in, well. They've incentivized themselves to do it, right? Yeah. So this, I would expect maybe Reggie Cannon not this... Well, I was going to say, it depends what's going on with MLS, right? We don't know if there's going to be an MLS season after MLS is back. Yeah. Uh, first of all, nice weird balance is a perfect way of describing that because that is a nice weird balance. Second of all, we do not. We know that they initially talked about plans to reopen and have a some semblance of a full season after MLS is back. The way it is gone, they may still do that because they haven't been d- deterred so far. Uh, but it also <laughs> seems very likely that they might have to change those plans at least somewhat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, coronavirus yeah. numbers is what it all depends on. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. And should, so. Anyway. That would be interesting then, because also if you do have sort of cash-strapped MLS teams or maybe they want to make a a little bit of a profit and they're okay with moving players on, FC Dallas might be inclined to take a a decent amount of money. And as we've already talked about with, say, Paxton Pomacall, I think a a decent amount of money for an MLS team we've seen historically is not a major investment for a lot of European clubs. Well, and that's what we're talking about, right, with the Pomacall Mm -hmm. or the Canon transfer fee. I kind of have no idea what it might be. Like mm-hmm. I have in my head a figure of like 10 million for Reggie Cannon, but who knows if FC Dallas think that's um, acceptable um, yeah. or not. Um, one more time, the rumors uh, reported by, I believe, Charlie Cannon on Twitter, although I'm not sure if he got it from somewhere else or if he um, sourced it himself. I apologize, Charlie. Um, Freiburg, the Bundesliga team, who, by the way, finished eighth last year and were like weirdly stubborn and impressive, right? And then the two Belgium clubs were Anderlecht and Ghent with a T. Ghent with mm. a T. So nothing, those are big uh, Belgian clubs, right? But Freiburg and the Bundesliga, I think, would be the way to go. Did you say... So I didn't do enough research on this, and I apologize. Mm-hmm. But you were telling me off air that Freiburg play a sort of attacking fullback kind of game. I, I think from what I read uh, from a Stats Bomb article about how they play and their style of play, basically I was like, Freiburg, why not? They seem to always be a smaller team that doesn't spend much money, but prioritizes like uh, like low-impact, high-yield signings. Uh, and looking them up, it's, I guess you could say, like a similar setup to Atletico Madrid, that they can press, they can go at you if they need to, but they are more inclined to kind of sit in and frustrate yeah. and then I remember watching them I remember them being really hard to break down whenever yeah. a team if I was watching Dortmund or Schalke you know to watch Reiner or McKenney mm-hmm. Freiburg were always really frustrating to try and get through yeah and and I think then when they do transition uh, after they frustrated you and made you make a mistake it's either through quick vertical passes or through counterattacks from wide usually from fullbacks so I think you could go uh, and put in Reggie Cannon there and that seems to tick a lot of boxes and I would be fine with that all right, Reggie Cannon. And by the way, we've got so used to Reggie Cannon, I think we forget how awesome his name yeah. is. Yeah. He sounds like, <laughs> I don't know, like if you were making a quite cheesy cop show, you might call it Reggie Cannon. And yet I still go with, if you were creating a 19th century British detective show, Reginald Cannon, uh, Inspector, well, yeah. Inspector Reginald Cannon doesn't sound out of place either. I mean, so yeah, so eventually when he moves to the Premier League, he'll be Reginald Cannon. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes really, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Tyler, who else you got mm-hmm. for me? Uh, it's a player we talked about yesterday, but I want to talk about again for a moment. It's Zach Steffen, the 25-year-old goalkeeper, formerly of Fortuna Dusseldorf. I believe he is now officially returned to Manchester City. Uh, yeah. He was the starter for, for Fortuna at various points this season. The thing that we didn't really talk about as much yesterday when we kind of talked about his situation, you can go back and listen to that, but we didn't talk about the injury aspect of his game because though he was the starter for a decent chunk of the season, when you look at total matches of the 35 Bundesliga DFB Pokal games that they played in total, he started 18 of them. So he started only about half of them, and a big concern with that was patellar tendonitis and sort of flare-ups there, and they didn't want to push it, they didn't want to risk it, and that did make me a little bit more okay with him being the backup at Manchester City next season because would I rather him with those injury issues and like some doubt over if he can handle like the physicality of an entire season right now would I rather him go get like a lot of training but then be on the bench for some games start a few but sort of allow that those issues to recover fully and then look for another transfer of the year after that I think I'm more okay with that because just from the standpoint of like if you're with Fortuna you can't opt out of taking goal kicks whereas in training (laughs) you can very much opt out of taking goal kicks if you uh, don't want to risk like injuring your knee or having it swell up or anything like that and also man City don't even, I think, take goal kicks. I think they're legally not allowed to take them longer than 30 yards. So I think that is <laughs> an issue. Yeah, exactly. So I think that is an issue that like we didn't really get into because I kind of didn't think about it in the moment, but is yeah. another reason why I think I'm okay with, with him being the backup at Man City. I'm also not okay with a lot of the articles that immediately assume that if he's the backup, he's lost the starting job for the U.S. national team and is out of consideration. I think being the backup for Pep Guardiola's Man City is still a pretty good place to be yeah, and one that I, we happily would have taken a couple of years ago. I raised that narrative when we talked about this yesterday and I'm almost embarrassed that I raised it because I raised it just because it's a narrative, right? It's like the mm-hmm. first thing that everyone goes to when you're the backup keeper. I think I made jokes about Sergio Romero. Yes. Um, but I, yeah, you're right. Like If it's only for a year or so, it's not a major problem. But I think there will be an eye on Zach Steffen, right? If yeah. he suddenly looks rusty, quote yeah. unquote, mm-hmm. when he's playing for the US national team, like you people will start asking questions and start thinking about breakers. So I promise I do remember the stuff we talk about broadly on this show, I mean, it, but it's recorded. You can go back and listen if you need to. But I honestly kind of forgot you even raised that. I wasn't really talking about the way you raised it. I have literally seen articles that were like, but obviously if he's a backup, he can't be the starter for the national team. So they'll oh, have to I look see. and it's like, and it's that sort of like backup means no longer a starter as though it's never been the case that a person who was a backup for a team was a key player for their national team. Like, no, yeah. you can definitely have those two things. It's not ideal, but it's not the worst case scenario, especially when you're talking about the team we're talking about. If it were, <laughs> he's the backup goalkeeper for, for a Belgian team, let's just say, as was the case with Ethan Horvath, that's where we have concerns because we feel like there should be a starting spot there. He should earn that yeah. starting spot. If he, and even with Fortuna, if he weren't the starter at the end of the season when he were fully fit, there would have been concerns there as well. All right. But plus, everybody needs an EFL Cup or FA Cup winner's medal. Right? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> I, I've saved the best and biggest for the middle. Okay. Weston McKenney, mm-hmm. maybe outside of Virginia Dest, is... The biggest transfer rumor story that involving a U.S. men's national team player of this summer slash fall. Can right? I jump in to say if you set a Google alert for McKinney and like transfer speculation or linked with or something like that, your inbox is blowing up. I see him linked <laughs> with a different club every like 14 minutes. But it's never anything fully official, is it? Nope. That's the interesting thing. And actually, I think I found the source of all these transfer rumors. Um, before I get to that, there is a transfer situation, right? If people haven't heard, Schalke have essentially said, oops, we've overspent the last few years <laughs> chasing European football. 
That and our failure to get into Europe combined with coronavirus stuff means we're basically in trouble. We are essentially entering a period of austerity. This is like the British government mm-hmm. from 2010 onwards, right? <laughs> they're, they're saying we, uh, we're going to put like a salary cap in place, which is, uh, I've never heard a team say that before, right? They're, it's a self-imposed salary cap and they're not going to be chasing big name players and there might be some sales that happen, right? And one of the mooted sales is Weston McKenney for about 25 million euros or so. Right. And it does feel like time for him to move on, maybe. Right. If, if Schalke are going to start uh, being even worse than they were the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that statement was made like deliberately made via black and white broadcast? Like there will be no spending. Like I just pictured being <laughs> sad and delivered by Christopher Lee looking yeah. very, very severe, even though I believe Christopher <laughs> Lee is no longer with us. And you don't need to buy tights, just paint gravy on your legs. <laughs> Which I've been told is a thing that happened in Britain. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right, then. <laughs> interesting interesting times yeah. all right so so with that in mind it does seem as though weston mckinney is a sort of valuable asset given that he was one of their only consistent performers who wasn't on loan last season <laughs> yes um here's what i want to get to though the many many transfer rumors you see i think are being pushed by somebody in the weston mckinney camp right because mm-hmm. a lot of this all can be traced back to a cbs sports story uh, that essentially says sources tell CBS Sports that McKenney is eyeing a club in European competitions with top tier clubs interested like Liverpool, as well as second tier clubs that include Everton, Newcastle, Wolverhampton and others. And then throughout the article, there's references to a few other teams as well, yeah. like maybe League One, maybe here, maybe there. Right. And I think if you're um, the Daily Mirror or the Sun, you can then take that CBS story and you can say reports indicate that Weston McKenney has been linked with Newcastle or Everton or Wolverhampton or, or Liverpool and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. But I th- like I don't know this for sure, right? So I don't want to be like uh, revealing uh, anything that was supposed to be secret. But usually when sources tell and it's mm-hmm. about a player and what sort of team they would like to go to, um, then it's usually the player's agent, right? Which from what, from what I understand... Which in this place would be Corey Gibbs. Yeah, from what I understand... Uh, it was recently explained to me that very few transfer rumors are completely made up. Like, there are some absurd ones, and you get the ones where, like, Reddit will make up a rumor to see if it gets picked up. Those do happen. But generally speaking, from my understanding, if there's a rumor, it's coming from the player's camp, the buying club, or the potential selling club. Like yes. it's or, or, or the potential buying club as well. Like, that's how it works. It's either the uh, selling club putting out there that like, hey, he, he's very good and could be available because they yeah. want people to know that. It could be the buying club saying, hey, we kind of have this vo- like area of need and maybe we're interested in him. And then they want to yeah. kind of see the reaction or it very likely, it's, if it's 15 different teams, very likely it's the agent saying, please, somebody buy my client. Right. It's like a mating ritual. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. This is, and I, probably I shouldn't have said it's definitely McKenney's agent because sources that are close to McKenney. I think he said it feels like, and that's it probably feels like, Okay, yeah, because yeah. it could be anyone within the McKenney camp, right? But this mm-hmm. definitely feels like the McKenney camp sort of just putting a flare up and saying, um, all right, we are open for business. We are looking for offers. We are looking to move. Um, and I would say 25 million euros, that seems to be the price floating around for Weston McKenney. I think that's a good deal for um, a Premier League team or another Bundesliga team. Do you know his age off the top of your head? Because I believe it is still ridiculously young. Like, it's easy to think he is like 24 or 25. Yeah, exactly. He's very young. And so for a player who has, like, the established pedigree he has that is a consistent performer for a team that, until very recently, were a competitive Bundesliga team, like, that is not that much money. 
And I think you do add in the American aspect of you know you're going to sell shirts. You know you can then do a U.S. tour or you'll have more people show up. I know that doesn't always factor in. No, but that's it's overrated. Def- but I see. I don't think it is. I think it's an extra bonus. Like I think it's never the primary consideration. But I think if you if you want to buy somebody for $20 million and Schalke say he's available for 24 I think you you can kind of bank on we're going to make that $4 million up in shirt sales and maybe a, a, a trip there. It is an incentivizer, I guess is what I mean to say. So I think I'm with you that he seems like a very valuable asset and I think is the one, aside from maybe Serginio Dest, the American that I would expect to move this summer for a decent amount. So let's go through some of these uh, clubs that were like sure. floated out there, right? Liverpool. Obviously, we'd like the dream move. I would say that that Liverpool midfield is massively um, stacked right now anyway. And there's the, there's the Thiago Alcantara rumor. I just don't well, think right? he's... I love Weston McKinney. I do not think he excels at the skill sets that are needed to excel in that Liverpool team. I think he would have to work a lot and it would require a lot of yeah. development and it would be almost a I, Fabinho thing at best. Yeah, I actually think he would... I think he would look really good doing it, but I think there are just other players who will be better at doing it than he is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. the, that, I don't think that's happening. Everton is interested. Mm-hmm. Everton's a really interesting one, right? There's money to spend. Carlo Ancelotti is there. And I took a good look at their midfield, and it's like Fabian Delph, who's been in and out with injuries. Um, Jean-Philippe Gbamin, who has a horrible injury, I think to his Achilles, that keeps him out until 2021. Um, Tom Davies, who it feels like he burst onto the scene like full of running, but has never really progressed uh, beyond being someone who's full of running. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not mm-hmm. really uh, magnificent in possession or anything like this. I would even say Weston McKennie is an immediate upgrade on Tom Davies while offering the same amount of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so then like Guilfrey Sigurdsson is obviously a slightly different type of player right a more creative central midfield type player I think Weston McKennie could move to Everton and pretty quickly work his way into that central midfield yeah I think I think you're absolutely right I'm thinking about this and there are players who I would immediately jump to like yeah but they're so good but they haven't really been good enough this season under Carlo Ancelotti to anybody feel truly confident that they have an out-and-out position that is theirs. Yeah. So I feel like it's a place where he could go, work very, very hard. Carlo Ancelotti likes, I think, players who work very, very hard oh, but don't I require mean, a the ton of hands-on Gattuso, development. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. So it does, it does make a lot of sense. I would, I would not mind that. I would not mind that so much. All right. So let's put a pin in Everton. Sorry mm-hmm. if I'm taking a bit longer over this, but I feel like this is fascinating. I, right? I, again, um, I think Weston McKinney, I think it is going to be the longest one with the most rumors that makes the most sense to talk about because for the first time in a while, I mean, I guess for the first time since Pulisic, and even with Pulisic, we were sort of surprised by that amount and the kind of speed that it happened. Yeah. This one feels like, yes, it is the time for him to move. It really does kind of like, yep, that makes sense. Yep, that makes sense. Yep, that makes sense. So it makes sense to then spend some time going through it. Okay. Newcastle. Newcastle's fascinating because that takeover still hasn't happened yet. And, you know, there's a chance that it doesn't happen. There's also a chance that it's been announced by the time you hear this, right? We just never know what's going on with Newcastle. Can I say why I wouldn't love that? Please go ahead. Unless you have more you want to say about why it would be the perfect move? I have a lot more to say, but please tell me what you were going to say. I was going to say. If you're going to interrupt, you may as well go all in and just. I will then. (laughs) Uh, Because, like, I remember when Man City first had the takeover and they were so focused on making a splash. They bring in Rubinho, obviously, but there's so many players that they sort of bring in to show that spending power that very quickly, like, Roque Santa Cruz is not a player that you think of with that Man City team. They were trying to show, like, hey, we can spend, we can bring in players, we're going to be exciting. But that doesn't always translate to, oh, it fits with our like permanent manager's identity. And that would be my yeah. only fear is that he's one of those like, yeah, we're bringing him and we're bringing him and we're bringing him. And suddenly they've signed seven people, all of whom now maybe don't necessarily yeah. fit. And I would rather he wait until that chaos subsides a little bit. 
I, that's a really interesting point. Um, but I've been thinking of it from the different angle, which is that maybe this takeover doesn't happen. There's and I would that. argue that he's kind of a classic Newcastle, like classic yes, Mike Ashley is. Newcastle transfer, yes, where he he's available for reason. I think it's a really good deal to get Weston McKenney mm-hmm. for, for 25 million or so. Um, and he again, he would fit into that midfield, right? There are rumours about um, Sean, I think he's the older Longstaff, that he may be on the move. He's like their combative but mm-hmm. talented central midfielder. McKenney is like a really ideal replacement for someone like Longstaff, right? So I mean, or John Joe Shelby see- as well. That would yeah, John Shelby's a bit more of a... Um, he looks combative, right? Because mm-hmm. he's obviously got the, the, the bold head. Mm-hmm. But he, he's really more of a long-range passer, isn't he? So mm-hmm. yeah, I could see McKenney and John Joe Shelby as a partnership that, that could work pretty nicely. Yeah, that would, find, yeah. That would work well with me too. I just, I just picture... Because I think of John Joe Shelby as, yes, you're, you're absolutely right, the long-range passing. But also, yeah, I feel like he doesn't mind leaving a stud or two in. And I feel like that is kind of Weston McKinney a little bit. I feel like that would be a little bit of like a Bash Brothers scenario. Yeah. And I would enjoy that immensely. The other team mentioned by sources close to McKenney um, was, uh, I've lost it, I've lost it. I've, who was I talking about? Oh, Wolves. How can I forget my own team? The other team mentioned. You always do this. To, yeah. The other team mentioned was Wolves. I, I would love it. I think it would be a really nice fit. He wouldn't mm-hmm. be guaranteed to start by any stretch. But because Wolves use so few players in central midfield, right? It's yeah. basically Ruben Neves and Joe Matinho, or it's Ruben Neves and Joe Matinho and Leon Dendonka. And that's basically it, right? Morgan Gibbs-White gets the occasional run out, but that's Wolves' full list of central midfielders that Nuno is willing to use, right? So mm-hmm. there is an opportunity there, and he does fit the style. I think he fits the style um, of Wolves. If he's willing to maybe just uh, sit in shape a little bit when Wolves do their deep defending type, mm-hmm. type thing. Which I think he would be. I think it's just that with Shaka, he's asked to do so many things from game to game. Yeah. You don't really get to see him excel at one specific thing. Do you think he can play those sort of long, like 40-yard but inch-perfect passes? Because if so, then yeah, I'm all aboard the Wolves train as well. No, only Ruben Neves can do that. Okay. Yeah. Did you Have you seen that Diego Jata goal? Oh, we um, talked about it on him? the weekend review. Oh, it was ridiculous. That ball was yeah. insane. Yes. Yeah, Ruben Neves is um, a scary, scary man. It doesn't seem natural what he's able to do with those long-range passes. No. Um, so, yeah, well, actually what I like about McKenney is he's not identical to Neves. He's not identical to Jao Moutinho, who's kind of like a little fella who's feisty and like has really nice, tight control. He's maybe most similar to Leon Dendonka, who's like good in the air, Good in a tackle and provides the occasional the occasional bit of attacking thrust, uh, but it I just feel like it would be a good fit if Wolves want to have a slightly deeper midfield and not just have three guys that we're relying on. I think Weston McKinney would McKinney would be a great addition. Obviously, I'd be super excited about it as well. McKinney Dendonker attorneys at law also has an nice <laughs> yes, yeah, so they can have a nice little uh, yeah. West Midlands based side business. Right? Can't you picture him like looking into a, like a, a legal textbook and then sort of turning to the camera and smiling? I can picture yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, not rumoured, but I keep banging on this. Southampton is the perfect place for Weston McKinney. Are you secretly an agent for Southampton? Like, are you getting money under the table that I don't know about? It just makes sense. The silence is loud, Daryl. The silence is loud. <laughs> so Southampton play that 4-2-2-2. It's, you know, the old Leipzig-style uh, system. It's Ralph Hasenhutl. Um, it's all about pressing. You've seen a, a good bit of them lately, Taylor, right? Because you watched the, mm-hmm. uh, the Manchester United. Again, they're a very effective pressing team. Hoiberg is likely on the move. There is a shortage in midfield. There's going to be a shortage in midfield. Weston McKennie's high-energy type game is perfect at Southampton. Southampton are the perfect size team, I think, for a player taking their first steps into the Premier League. I think, first of all, I agree. Second, I think what we're stumbling upon here is though I have been frustrated by him not getting kind of consistent minutes in a consistent position 
it, it also feels like he could reasonably play for every single team you're mentioning. And yeah. so with that, I think, again, it explains why he is linked with so many teams, even if it is just coming from his camp. A camp that I would like to be in. I feel like Weston McKinney's camp would be fun. But also <laughs> that, like, yeah, I could see that. I could see him fitting at Newcastle or at Everton or at Wolves. And mm-hmm. I don't think we could say that about an American player in a very long time. And now I feel like we can say it about a couple. So I think yeah. that is the other reason why all of this feels – it doesn't feel like I don't have to do the, like, ah, I don't know about that one, man. Like with, I'm just sort of like, <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. That makes sense, too. And to be really clear, with none of these have I said he's a definite starter when he goes there, right? Because that is just not the case for a young guy who's never played outside the Bundesliga going to the Premier League for the first time. It's just unlikely that you're a guaranteed starter as soon as you arrive, right? You have to compete for your place. Mm-hmm. I would back Weston McKennie to win to win a spot at Wolves, Everton, Newcastle, um, or Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, we said Liverpool's a stretch. Arsenal might be a stretch, but not impossible, and I would watch it. And Spurs also could be a stretch, but not impossible, and I would watch it. Except he has such happy, lovely energy, and it, <laughs> and it feels a bit like it would be a Dementor sort of situation with West McKinney at Tottenham. <laughs> Maybe he'll spread happiness. We'll see Mourinho smile. Is that a thing that ha- I guess he smiles. Is it- I love Jose Mourinho. Sometimes that smile just seems like, oh, that's not what a smile is supposed to look like. <laughs> <laughs> that's how a psychopath smiles. <laughs> I really do love Jose, but still, sometimes he smiles and I'm just like, ah, that's a scary smile. <laughs> All right, so tell you, the Premier League yeah. is not the only league. Uh-uh. Um, and there have also been rumours linking Weston McKennie with Hertha Berlin, who, yep. similarish to Hoffenheim, have mm-hmm. a bit of money to spend, right? Lars Windhurst, yes. I've, I've read, is investing 150 million euros. Um, and Hertha Berlin are on the lookout to be improving their squad by investing this summer slash fall. Um, I do know that in Hertha's midfield, which I'm not massively familiar with, but Marco Grujic was a big, big deal in their midfield. It's a Serbian midfielder who was on loan from Liverpool. He's been on loan for like two years. He has now gone back to Liverpool. So there is, they're basically a man down in that Hertha midfield. And I think, um, well, Labadio we talked about in the past, is a fan of Weston McKennie. That move would make sense as well. Just selfishly, I want to see McKennie in the Premier League. So I would prefer a Premier League team. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there too. But I think also the Hertha one is is a solid shout as well because what you often see w- with the teams that do have that money is there becomes that like team with money tax that if <laughs> if uh, Man City are coming in for a player, you can assume that there's going to be another five or ten million on the asking price because they know you can afford it. And I think you're absolutely right that we've we have heard many times that Hertha will spend and do have the money and have already spent. So I think there are some clubs that would maybe look to get more out of that. As we've already talked about, Schalke might not be in that position and might be very happy to take a, a, a good offer for Weston McKinney, a player who is a, a, an established Bundesliga performer and has that pedigree, that probably would make Hertha better and would immediately compete for a starting spot, I think, at Hertha. So that does make a lot of sense, too. I feel like, again, every single team, I'm, I'm down with it. Let's just, wherever he goes, let's make it happen. So I'm ready to wrap this up. In order of Daryl's preference, um, Weston McKennie would go to Wolves. But that's yeah. really, honestly, just a fandom thing. That's just, I want to have Weston McKennie mm. play for my team. I um, like Nuno, though. I feel like Nuno would be like a great person for him to work under. I like it, too. Oh, yeah. I think, no, I think it's a good move for his career, mm-hmm. essentially, right? They'll also likely be in the Europa League next season, so he would achieve that goal of, of European football, right? Which is not true of Everton or Southampton or Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So there, there is that in Wolves' favour. There's just there's no evidence that Wolves are interested, right? There's just evidence that McKennie's interested. Um, after that, I think in order of preference, I would go Southampton, Everton, Newcastle. Yeah, I agree. My last thing I would like to then ask you about Weston McKinney, 
in maybe the exact opposite of Serginho Dest, is this a scenario, though, where if he does not move and he stays with Schalke, that it is then, that is almost the most disappointing outcome? Where Because, yes, he's going to perform. Yes, he's going to get minutes, but it's going to for a team that their stated objective is to survive. At least initially, yeah. I'm going to be massively disappointed if that's mm-hmm. how the 2020-21 Bundesliga starts. Of course, there's always the weird outside chance that... Um, Schalke being stripped of all their money is what brings the team together and suddenly they're actually good, right? Mm-hmm. It's not impossible that some weird uptick in form happens, sort of like what happened at Wigan, right? Yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't be against it if suddenly Schalke are actually a good functional team because they're still a really big team, right? They're a massive, massive team. They're just really dysfunctional. Um, so it could turn out okay in that sense, but at least as the season starts, I'll be very disappointed if he's still at Schalke. All right. Well, I will uh, not be very disappointed uh, if you get me some products from today's sponsor, Mr. Grove. <laughs> today's show is sponsored by Hawthorne. It um, is. Hawthorne will make sure that you smell good. Um, you take the quiz, you take the two minute quiz, you answer some questions, or, and then it recommends products that you can buy uh, once or on a recurring basis. Or, Taylor, I could buy them for you. I could get yeah. you a gift. I could make sure that I know what type of skin, what type of beard, what type mm-hmm. of hair you have, what smells you like. Or I could just take a guess when I do the quiz at Hawthorne.co. Um, then it would recommend some products and I could have them shipped to your door instead of my door. Uh, that, would, that would be fine with me. Uh, as Hawthorne have made clear, smelling good is important and Hawthorne smells really good. Therefore, Hawthorne is important. I think I did the transit <laughs> property, right? To, yeah, perfectly logical. Perfectly mm-hmm. logical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and if, the way that would work. If we get back in the yep. office together, I want to make sure that we both smell good. It is important. If you're sharing a 350-square-foot room for as much time as we do, <laughs> yeah, uh, personal hygiene is important if one of us isn't showering on the regular. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it becomes problematic, especially uh, if we're biking to the office in the heat of the summer. Absolutely. And I, of <laughs> course, make sure to take my weekly shower. <laughs> I thought it was just like your wife throws a tub of water on you at various points. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. But if you wanted to, say, go the Hawthorne route, uh, you could take a quick two-minute quiz. Hawthorne tells you the two products or the two colognes of the set that might be the best for you, whatever you are looking for, to get the best product that suits you in whatever way you want it to suit you. So check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Mm -hmm. Hawthorne with an E and dot C-O, not dot com. Mm Hawthorne.co. Use the promo code TSS and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co, promo code TSS for 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. All right. We've talked about a lot of players, and then we talked about Weston McKinney for that same amount of time. Let's talk about another player in the Bundesliga. Let's talk about Fabian Johnson, I should say formerly of the Bundesliga, uh, because the 32-year-old American is now a uh, free agent, uh, has left Gladbach in search of theoretically greener pastures. Uh, and I think anything that means regular playing time would be an improvement on this past season. Uh, uh, an, an injury-plagued season, he only makes six appearances for Gladbach, where he was for six seasons. It seems from everything I have read and heard that a move to MLS is a move he is open to and would be interested in. Uh, He reportedly had talks with FC Dallas prior to their inaugural season. Excuse me, FC Cincinnati prior to their inaugural season. That that was way back. (laughs) 1994. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, uh, prior to FC Cincinnati's inaugural season. That did not work out then. FC Cincinnati are still top of the allocation uh, order, not disorder, rankings. I was worried I was going to make that mistake. Um, But after this season with 
with two expansion teams coming in, they would then be third in the allocation order. So there's a chance that they will be inclined to make sure they utilize that position now. Fabian Johnson would be subject to the allocation order. So that is a possibility. It sounds like... It's all about money though, right? It's all about how much does Fabian Mm -hmm. Johnson want and how much is a Major League Soccer team willing to pay... A guy in his 30s, like mid-30s, sorry, early early to mid-30s, with a history of injuries, who was no longer the 2014 US Men's National Team star that he once was, right? He is not the, we'll get bums in seats uh, draw that he used to be, right? So he's probably Mm -hmm. not as valuable as he used to be. Um, Because MLS does think about marketing US Men's National Team players. Yeah, and similar to Bobby Wood, who I, I will talk about briefly later on, I think that is the sort of sticking point right now is saying, hey, I'm interested. And then if a team says like, okay, we could be interested, then they kind of have the here's my offer written down on a piece of paper, here's my offer written down on a piece of paper, and those two pieces of paper do not look the same at all. (laughs) Um, So I think it would require, if he were to move to Major League Soccer, a situation in which it's a team that maybe want to make a bit of a splash, want to kind of establish things, and basically what I'm pointing at is Austin FC makes a little bit of sense to me when it comes to Fabian Johnson. Okay, yeah, Mm because new team coming in, make a splash. Yep, Uh, but also... We know he looks good in black and green. That has been established. So you've got the color scheme already, Daryl. We know that works out <laughs> fine. Uh, I think he is sort of a big enough name and has done enough for the national team that I think you would still see people. Like, I could see friends of ours, like uh, our friend Sean and Ryan. Like, I feel like both of them would want to see Fabian Johnson play in Major League Soccer yeah. in a way that they might not with other U.S. national team players coming back. And I think also... Like, yes, there are the moments with Klinsman where he subs out and what have you. But for the most part, I think he's also a U.S. national team player who doesn't have a lot of baggage coming with him. And for a team like Austin, who already have some baggage, uh, I know Austin fans don't love to talk about that, but it is the reality. Like, I think it also wouldn't be the worst signing either, as opposed to a more polarizing figure who might make them all the more polarizing. All right. So Austin, why, why mm-hmm. not Charlotte? Just out of interest. Uh, I don't know. I, I because I thought of Austin first, and they're black and green. Uh, I I also think because how about this? How about this? Charlotte can be in the conversation when Charlotte have a name. Let's do that. <laughs> they should be called the Charlotte Fabian Johnsons. That could be their they, offer. They I mean, the if they do that, if they do that, I think they have to sign him. I think it's a good sign that they will go after him. The Charlotte Fab Joes. <laughs> but it seems. But again, I think he is interested in a move to Major League Soccer. I think it will just come down to how much money he wants versus how much money is available to yeah, him. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, all right, next player, Sebastian Soto. Sebastian Soto. I haven't oh, yeah. seen it officially like put up anywhere, but there are reports after reports after reports that Sebastian Soto is leaving Hanover. This is the young American who did really well at the U twenty World Cup. For those who. Uh, who are unfamiliar, really good striker. Um, He's joining Norwich. He's going to sign a contract with Norwich City, but he won't get a work permit. So he will not be able to play um, in the championship. There'll be a championship team at that point, right? So the plan is for Norwich to sign Sebastian Soto, then immediately send him out on loan. And according to his agent, um, I read, um, again, courtesy of Charlie Kennan, I read that the plan is to immediately loan Sebastian Soto uh, to either Holland, Belgium, or Germany. All right. Th- those are three different places. They are. So that sounds very vague, right? Mm-hmm. There's no specific club that is That's linked what I'm getting to. At. I did yeah. leave that silence deliberately because I wanted to I wanted it to hang and have some weight, right? Yeah. Um I gave this a lot of thought, right? What I want for Sebastian Soto 
is to just play some games and score some goals, right? Yep. It's been a frustrating year because <laughs> there seems to have been some like um, essentially fallout with his agent and Hanover, and that's why he's had a, just a wasted year at Hanover, right? So uh, you're sending him to Belgium. I got you. So, so yeah. they knew he was on the move. No, where I'm sending him is a Dutch team that isn't very good. Okay. Yeah, a Dutch team that is short of strikers. A Dutch team that finished 13th, so wasn't threatened with relegation, the season was declared null and void, but scored the fewest goals in the entire Eredivisie. It's ve, 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 Venlo. That's where okay. I'm sending Sebastian Soto on loan. That is my preference. Haji Wright was the American striker at ve, 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 Venlo. He is no longer with them. Haji Wright is now looking for uh, a new team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, one, I want Sebastian Soto to go there just because there aren't there isn't much competition for places, right? They need a striker. Um, they don't spend big, so getting a player on loan would be a big deal. Um, and three, I really want Sebastian Soto to redeem Americans at Venlo because <laughs> mm-hmm. Zellalem went there and apparently did not do very well, right? It was kind of disappointing. Haji Wright went there and, you know, they've let him go at the end of the season. Sebastian Soto is the redeemer. Third time lucky. Here's my my one thing I will say that is like I cannot get out of my head is Andrea Novakovic, who yeah. we haven't talked about in a while, I think is uh, struggling at Frosinone. Is right? No, he's he been doing, I thought he'd been doing quite well. I think he has not been scoring and has not been getting as many minutes as he hoped lately. Uh, I so heard yes, he, he was not doing been a while scoring, ago scoring, but he had been contributing in a kind of Emil Heskey mm. kind of way. My point being Agreed that he disagree. is a player who uh, was signed by English club Reading. Didn't get a work permit, was loaned out to a like, sort of like second tier Dutch team, Fortuna scored some goals, and here we are. And they are sort of similar builds, to my understanding. Like, I don't know. I think it's just sort of like I've seen that before with him, and it hasn't gone the way that I hoped it would. So I have some concerns about that plan for Sebastian Soto. I mean, I disagree with the similar builds, right? Novakovic is yeah. a big, big dude, like big target man type person. Sebastian Soto is more of a. Um, really quick movement in behind type striker, more okay. of a poachery type guy. All right. right. So there is, I, I just think he's, he's a guy that just seems to manage to score goals all the time. He has the instinct, you know what I mean? So that's why I think Venlo would be most tempted to just take him and play him. That's really okay. what I'm focused on here is just get out there and play some games, right? And then I guess the long-term plan is eventually um, he gets US national team caps and he either gets a work permit or has enough of a body of work to be able to win an appeal on Mm -hmm. you know getting a work permit on appeal and then he could maybe play for Norwich I actually I think I think where we're differing here is I actually rate Sebastian Soto quite highly I have really good memories of him at that U20 World Cup and I think we would have been um, I think basically his career is stalled only because of the weird situation with his agent and Soto and Hanover and the decisions that they've made over the last year that's kind of left him stranded yeah honestly my concern has nothing to do with the player it has to do with that sort of setup of sign for a club who you cannot play for. I mean, I know it's kind of it is the reality of the situation. Yeah, I mean, it's happened, it's just, right? right. That's just my concern is like anytime you sign for a club where you can't play, it's just a year where they can move on and figure something else out and you can out be in, out in the wilderness where you're hopefully performing. But that's always a dice roll when it comes to low yeah. moves. So that's it's it's not about him. It's not about how much I rate, rate him. It's just about that sort of yeah, so setup you, is not my favorite. But you're saying you don't like the Norwich move, right? Like, yeah, that's that's happened to our. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I think it's a quite a risky thing to do yeah. that, right? Because you can easily get forgotten about, get mm-hmm. left behind. Um, and also, I think when they were started talking, they were a Premier League team and now they're a there's championship that team. So <laughs> yeah. there's that. So I'm trying to salvage the best case scenario yeah. here. Okay. And for me, you know, and honestly, it's not like I've thoroughly researched. I haven't researched yeah. every Dutch team, every Belgian team, every potential mm-hmm. German team. But I just see, look at Venlo as a team where he's at least going to play because that's what Sebastian Soto needs, right? It's time for him to start playing soccer and start scoring professional goals. All right. 
I'm down All for right. that. I'm down for that. I like that. Who's next? Uh, I will move us to back to England to talk Matthew Miazga, 24-year-old center back, currently on loan at Reading uh, from Chelsea. He joined Chelsea in 2016. He's played for them twice. He's <laughs> gone on loan to more clubs than he has played for Chelsea. Uh, Vitesse, Nantes, and now Reading. Yeah. Uh, recently suspended for an on-field fight with Darby's Tom Lawrence, which means of the, I believe, six remaining games in the championship, he will miss three. Uh, moving Reading is back- safe, right? Reading are just comfortably yeah. mid-table, right? Yeah. But moving back to Chelsea at the end of this loan spell, it seems very unlikely he will get any playing time. For a moment, I tried to talk myself into it with the idea that like Chelsea's defense hasn't been that solid, that maybe there's like Frank Lampard is going to look at some different players, look at some different options, and then I remembered Frank Lampard could have done that this past summer and instead <laughs> chose not to take Matt Miazga on the preseason tour. Yeah. So right there, I think we know that even though he's under contract until 2022, I think now would sort of normally be the time to sell. Again, grain of salt with the way things are, but with two years left on his contract, it seems like you can still get a little bit of money out of him. This time last year, I think there were reports that they were looking for 20 million euros for Matt Miazga. I think they're really trying to flip him for for some income. Nowadays, that seems far less likely. Flip is the right word. This is one of the business models that you can do to make sure Mm -hmm. you hit your financial fair play goals, right? Is get players like Miazga relatively cheaply um, and then sell them for more money eventually after loading them out for a few years with never any intention of letting them play more than half a game a year on average. Right. (laughs) And so, and that's what they have done. (laughs) Um, And so we now have this situation in which he is consistently uh, playing with teams that are not of the kind of Chelsea caliber, Mm -hmm. but I think could be a regular team, like regular for a Premier League team. I think that is a possibility. Uh, The two that I have maybe thought could work are both teams that are in the championship right now. One of them we've already talked about is West Brom, who do uh, do have Ahmed Hagazi as one of their main center backs. Lately, they've relied on Jamie's Michael Hector, but there have been a couple other players who they've kind of utilized there. So I don't think that he would necessarily come in. It's not as though... At the end of the season, they've got two center backs leaving and they've got to bring in somebody in. It just seems like he is fine in the championship, I think could be fine in the Premier League, and seems like could be fine for a team that's moving up and could help in that regard. The other one that I think also makes a little bit of sense is a team that were in the in the sort of automatic spots, I think, at one point, or in that conversation, are now in the playoff spots and could fall out of there, but I hope do not, is Fulham. And Fulham have the American connection. They do have Tim Ream there already. They have Alfie Moss, and they've got other defensive options. I don't think that any one of those is necessarily, like, the answer for Fulham or so locked in place. I mean, maybe the most... Like consistent player in Fulham's defense is Tim Ream, who I believe is also 32 years old. So for Matthew Miazga, 24 years old, I don't know why I keep calling him Matthew, but I do. It's because uh, I, I put it in there in the Google Doc as kind of go. a joke, and I mm-hmm. absolutely love that you haven't deviated from it. I didn't I realize how much power I had. Hey Amen. You put him in there. That's when we. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I, I hesitate to think about what you'll do next time, but yeah, I think I think like a sort of top-of-the-table championship team that are maybe going to be in the Premier League next season, that is where I would like him to be. Basically, I want him on a team that are, yeah. at the very least, challenging for promotion to the Premier League, if not in the Premier League could, next season. Could you see him coping if he moved to like a, an already Premier League team at the lower end, like a Brighton or a Crystal Palace or a Newcastle? I think so, right? Like, I think he's... I mean, from everything we've seen from him at national team level, I will focus there because I can't claim to have watched a ton of him at Reading... I, I think he, he has a lot of the hallmarks of a defender that, say, Roy Hodgson, I think would very much enjoy. I think he could come in and at least challenge for time at Crystal Palace. Like, yeah, I think there are spots where he could work out. Even maybe West Ham with David Moyes. That's yeah. another one that feels sort of like, yeah, that's a Moyes defender right there. Why not? They were after um, Aaron Long 
uh, in mm-hmm. the last January, right? And they had that that bid rejected. So yeah. we know West Ham are looking to to at least strengthen. I think they basically have three centre backs, right? It's Diop, um, Ogbana, and oh, I've forgotten his name. It's like Buoneba. I I, uh, I apologise. Uh, it's a Paraguayan defender whose name I forget. But that's basically their three centre backs. Yeah. So there is there is room for Miazga to go to West Ham and challenge for a spot. Can I we think, just say, right, so, whoever finishes 17th in the Premier League yeah. should sign Matt Miazga? Provided they're a London team. I think signing with Chelsea, he deserves to at least get to spend one season in London as an actual player. How about that? <laughs> Reading's, Reading's like very commutable to London. Yes. So I didn't train right away. Like, I said in London. If there's a show he wanted to see, he could just take the train in and out. He wouldn't have to get a hotel. <laughs> that's that's the dream right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, so Matt Miazga to uh, the team that finishes 17th in the Premier League, done and dusted. <laughs> All right, let's talk um, another Excuse American... Me, Matthew Miazga. Matthew Miazga, I apologize. We've, we've definitely entered a zone here of Americans on loan from big teams because mm-hmm. <laughs> my next player is Eric Palmer-Brown. American ah, centre-backs yes. on loan from big teams. Eric Palmer-Brown is a Manchester City player who is on loan at Austria-Vien um, with, I might add, an option to buy. So here's my radical solution. Um, Eric Palmer-Brown, Austrian should exercise the option to buy and he should stay there because he played the most games I think he's ever played when he became a pretty regular for Austria-Vienne in the Austrian Bundesliga mm-hmm. this season. He seems reasonably settled there. Vienna is obviously a magnificent city to live in. He's just turned 23. and He's, you know, he's yep. been on loan everywhere. Kjortik, Breda, uh, now Vienne from Manchester City. I say, let's settle down. Let's live in Vienna. Let's just get lots of reps playing for Vienna. Yeah, I think, uh, I believe, even though they didn't finish in the Europa League, he put in a very very solid season playing over yeah. 2,000 minutes and being part of nine clean sheets. His contract <laughs> is up, but we'll see what happens. Uh, is that scouting report? Yeah, from Russell Finley. It was the final <laughs> scouting report of the day, so we've gone ahead and done that. Thank you, Russell. Thank you, Daryl, for uh, for also yeah. helping me remember that we had scouting today. Yeah. But yeah, I like that move. Uh, I right. don't like his singing voice. Uh, Russell did send us a clip of him singing in the car. I he like was belting it out, so there's that. I like yeah, his there enthusiasm. You go. I agree. It doesn't have I to agree. be in tune. It just has to be committed. <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> so, yeah, I, but I really do want this to happen. I want EPB mm-hmm. signing permanently with Austria Vien. It's time to find a permanent soccer home and just play game after game after game after game. Because there's a great player in there, right? Yeah. Eric Palmer-Brown. All right, who's next, Taylor? Who you got next? Uh, it's really a toss-up. I'm going to go with Chris Richards. Let's talk Chris Richards. Ooh, 20-year-old yeah. centre-back for Bayern Munich 2. Uh, uh, he made his senior debut for Bayern Munich this season, but obviously was a much more consistent performer for Bayern Munich 2. And I think that was fine this year. Now is the time for some sort of move to happen. Uh, from what I understand, uh, there are some teams who have made permanent offers, including Union Berlin. Uh, Manuel Veith was, was uh, reporting that today, that Union Berlin have made a permanent offer. Uh, Bayern Munich and Hansi Flick specifically are, are looking for a loan option. They would, they would prefer that. Uh, mm. And I think they want it to be inside of Germany because they want him to continue his development in the Bundesliga so he gets that familiarity. It doesn't seem like they're ready to move him on yet. Uh, I did ask Manuel if he likes that move, and he said yes to either option to a loan or a purchase. And I think that is sort of accurate, that if it's the loan, it means Bayern Munich still have in their plans. They still want him. They just want him to develop a bit more and get professional minutes in the Bundesliga level. Uh, But if they do 
permanently move him, then that means he wasn't in the plans, so that's good. But also, from what I understand, it means that he would basically be a day one starter for Union Berlin, that he would come in and, and mm. start for them next year in the Bundesliga. This is a team that did much better than was expected yeah. uh, and, and have stayed ups. Right? Yeah. So I think to be to go from playing mostly for Bayern Munich 2 to being a Bundesliga starter is a move that I am okay with, yes. albeit as a loan or as a permanent deal. Either way, uh, I am good with it. I am 100% ready for it to happen. Yeah. Um, all right, I've got another centre-back for you. Sure. Mark McKenzie of the Philadelphia Union is rumoured, this is a ta- apparently Taylor Twelman mentioned this during an MLS's back broadcast, is rumoured to be linked with Celtic in the Scottish Premiership. How mm. about that? I love the idea of Mark McKenzie going yep. to Celtic. If you're not familiar with Mark McKenzie, he really is a great centre-back. He is so good at sort of getting around the other side of you and just getting to the ball first. He's also really good with the ball, some really nice passing out of the back. And I think, maybe most importantly, he appears to be one of those natural leader types. I think Mm. we've talked about this before. Tab Ramos took him to the U20 World Cup, even though he hadn't fully recovered from an injury, just because it seems like his personality was such an important thing to have in the squad, right? So if anyone can go to Scotland and succeed, it feels like it could be Mark McKenzie. And of course, going to Celtic is the Virgil van Dijk route. That's how you, uh, that's how you sort of, you you go, go north and then you work your way down into the Premier League. So Mark McKenzie, new Virgil van Dijk, you heard it here first. There we also, go. from what I read, it sounds like not only is he like linked with Celtic, it seems like they have identified him as a player they are very interested in. Am keen, I overstating yeah. that? Okay. Um, I don't know. All I know is what Taylor Tormund said, so I, okay. I haven't been able to do any further research into this. I'll be honest, this is not my most deeply researched um, right. <laughs> player profile. I can tell you he'll be up against Christopher Julien, Christopher Ayer, Jose Simunic, and Hatem Abd Elhamed. So it's not as if... Uh, Celtic don't have centre-backs. I think Ayer is either very likely to move or already confirmed to be moving. And I think that's part of where the rumour comes from. Okay, yeah, because Ayer's only 22. So I think he Mm. might be their young up-and-coming centre-back that's ready to move on. So maybe Mark McKenzie is the new young up-and-coming centre-back that's ready to move on. All right. Uh, Another up-and-coming centre-back who's probably ready to move on is Cameron Carter-Vickers. We have a run of centre-backs here. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, again, 22 years old. He's another one who, though he's been around for a really long time, I think when he first came to our attention, he was, what, 17? Yeah, so it's crazy to think Spurs U23s, and we were all excited because we thought he was going to be the best defender ever. And... And he may well could be, right. I just don't think for Spurs. Uh, has been on loan in the second half at Luton Town, uh, who have turned things around quite a bit since when he moved there in January. He only has 14 appearances, but I think what that does tell you is that he's playing a lot for the team since he moved there on the uh, six-month loan. Yeah. They are, I think in their last nine games, five wins, three draws, one loss. Uh, but they are second bottom. They're two points from safety, but they're still very much near the bottom of the championship. And... I don't want to say like that's his level, but it seems like that's what keeps happening is he gets loaned. The championship to sort of, relegation zone. Yeah, it's like kind of like mid, mid-table championship or struggling to stay alive championship teams or teams that sort of were near the Premier League or in the Premier League and are now sort of looking for bargain basement options. And I think that is where I am okay with him being. Not that lower tier, but I basically am okay with a permanent move to any championship team that has some semblance of promotional aspirations. I'm not saying they're going to like definitely be right there next year, top of the table, yeah. but I do think he's a player who needs sort of a team who knows what he is good at, knows what he is bad at, and can accentuate the good and not the bad, versus I think a lot of the loans are sort of, all right, well, let's see what happens here. Let's see yeah. if we can make this work. Let's I see think, if we can make it fit. I think a lot of the loans are, we need an extra centre-back. Oh, Spurs yep. have got a guy? Send him, exactly. send him on, yeah. Exactly, uh, and I think also, like... 
the mark against him for the longest time, and for, again, from watching the footage of him and from watching the clips, I haven't watched in a while, but I will say that from like the last time I watched, his distribution was not ideal, and I also do think that there is maybe something to be said for it, like, ooh, like a Spurs center back who was a captain of their U23s under Mauricio Pochettino, he must be really good with his feet. Uh, and I think that that's not his skill set in teams that don't necessarily focus on that. I think you're going to get the best out of him, and I think if you give him the consistency of knowing he's there on a permanent basis, I think he only improves, whereas... As we've already talked about, loan rule loan moves can be really good. They can be really bad. And I think that he keeps kind of getting a mixed bag on that front. So a permanent move for Cameron Carter-Vickers anywhere to a championship team that is stable and possibly push, pushing for promotion, I am good with. What if, here's a really ambitious one, what mm-hmm. if Aston Villa get relegated, yep. which looks very possible, Tyrone Mings gets mm-hmm. uh, transferred because he's you know a big Villa asset and I think he's a player that Premier League teams will want. Maybe there's an opportunity there where Villa needs centre-backs and Cameron Carter-Vickers could play for essentially a big team. I feel like John Terry would really like him. I don't know why I feel that way, but I I do think that makes a little bit of sense that John Terry... like I don't think of Cameron Carter-Vickers as being so fleet of foot. I don't think of him as being the best with the ball at his feet. I would say that's kind of John Terry. Uh, (laughs) Terry was good with the ball. He was fine, except when it comes to taking penalties. Hey, uh, but uh, I think I think yeah, I could see that. I could see Aston Villa right. going for him, and then seeing like you could get him for cheap from Tottenham. Uh, it's a player that they're probably not gonna like haggle over. And if you're Aston Villa, you can get him in at a decent price, potentially sell him on, but potentially push for promotion right away. And if not, you've probably got other options there too. Yeah, I think that makes All sense. Right. I'm good with that, Daryl. So CCV to AVFC. Mm. There we that? go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about Aaron Long. Sure. So Aaron Long, uh, famously, somewhat famously, um, West Ham had a $5 million bid uh, rejected by New York Red Bulls this past January. We mentioned earlier, or I mentioned earlier, that West Ham like aren't blessed with a load of centre-backs, right? So maybe it's possible that West Ham come back in for Aaron Long. And then we get into the same thing we we're talking about with the Bundesliga of how much are Premier League teams willing to pay and how much are MLS asking? Because apparently $5 million was not enough to get you an Aaron Long in January. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, like, we, we also kind of threw out the idea of uh, Matt Miazga going to West Ham. And that's a, a genuine question for you. If you're West Ham, would you rather have Miazga or would you rather have Aaron Long? I think if I'm West Ham, I would probably rather have Miazga just because he's been in England longer. Mm-hmm. But if it's me, I think Aaron Long's possibly the better player, right? Definitely quicker. He's also, there's something about Aaron Long that I really, really like. Like his story, the reason he's like 27 coming up to 28 and still hasn't made the move to the Premier League is mostly because he got such a late start, right? He he was like a USL midfielder for a little while. I think he was at Sounders 2. Then he was at Red Bulls 2. And then they moved him to centre-back. And then he played for Red Bulls first team in 2016. And two seasons later, he's like MLS Defender of the Year. Right. Yeah. So, and then he's U.S. Men's National Team captain. Uh, he uh, not the captain, but he's been U.S. Men's National Team captain. He's maybe one of our starting two centre backs. Right. There are yeah. a lot of people who argue, would argue that John Brooks and Aaron Long is the best two central defenders um, that we can field. I think Aaron Long could, if he moved to West Ham, I bet he would have a rough start, and then he would figure it out. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably true, and I think it's similar to what we talked about with Matt Miazga. I think a lot of that works in his favor with David Moyes at West Ham. So yeah, I, I still don't dislike that move. I do also think, I don't know if Jesse Marsh is going to want to bring in Americans, or maybe he'll do the opposite thing of like, no, I don't need Americans, I want to yeah. prove that I can exist without them. He should them. put himself first, right? Jesse Marsh yeah. should just think about what's best for Jesse Marsh winning football matches and not what's best for the entire national team. But there is that connection because they do have the Red Bulls connection. Yeah. And maybe if, if he wants a center back who he knows exactly what he's capable of and exactly what he can build around, maybe Matt Meow's got a Hoffenheim if Jesse Marsh goes there. Mm, I'd, I'd definitely be on board with that. Yeah. Would you be okay definitely. with Salzburg? What about if he stayed there and he was like, yeah, I want Matt, Matt, uh, Aaron Long at RB Salzburg? I mean, I guess it is, it is sort of a step up from New York Red Bull, yeah. right? I mean, it's to Europe, Winning right? silverware. As as that. Yeah. yeah, and the, the silverware. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely. Sorry, sorry, Red Bulls fans. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. It's very harsh. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's also worth noting, there's two things I want to note about Aaron Long. One, I mentioned he's not getting any younger, right? So I think the longer mm-hmm. this drags on, the less likely a team is to take a chance on him because his resale yeah. value lowers and lowers and lowers. The other thing is, he was on a pretty low salary uh, in 2018. Yeah. His new deal that he signed in 2019 more, <laughs> increased his salary by more than 10 times, right? He went from like 73000 wow. a year to 800000 a year in guaranteed okay. salary that's an alright amount so yeah. it's I can see why Red Bulls are kind of like hey you signed a long term deal we gave you 10 times the amount you were being paid we think maybe you should stick around <laughs> unless one yeah. of our Red Bull parent companies uh, wants you to play for the other team yeah. in which case bye bye maybe and then quick yeah. mention for Southampton um, Southampton mm-hmm. were the other team that was rumoured to course. be interested they were rumoured to be interested Aaron Long this, was, yep. this wasn't a Daryl rumour this was a real mm-hmm. thing um, sure 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 uh, this was uh, before the emergence of Jack Stevens, right? So Jack Stevens, youngish English player, has come into the team since January 2020 um, and made a few mistakes and then come really good and formed a partnership with Jan Bednarek. I don't think there's room for Aaron Long to be sort of feeling his way into the Premier League when Jack Stevens is the guy who's sort of feeling his way into the Premier League and doing pretty well. So they've, they've yeah. already got their like rough diamond defender. Uh, they've got that berth filled and Aaron Long can't fill it anymore. All right. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Aaron Long. Anything else you wanted to mention with him? Oh, just the, there was an interview with Kevin Thelwell, the uh, head of sport at uh, mm-hmm. Red Bull, New York Red Bull, who left Wolves. He told Michael Lewis of Front Row Soccer when asked about, you know, whether Aaron Long can be kept at Red Bull. He said, we have to do what we did at Wolves. We have to try to match the players' ambitions. And I couldn't help thinking, Aaron Long has said his ambition is to play in the Premier League. So <laughs> either you move New York Red Bull to the Premier League or Aaron Long is going to want to move. You didn't hear? That's what they're doing. Is that right? Yeah. It's kind of flown under the radar. Yeah, they're moving New York to uh, mainland England. Magnificent. Magnificent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. Mainland England, the island. That's how it's (laughs) going to work. Um, I've got two more players that uh, I would like to get to, but fairly quickly. The first one is uh, Alfredo Morales uh, of Fortuna Dusseldorf. Fortuna obviously relegated this season. Uh, They're... It hasn't been interest necessarily from Bundesliga teams. Uh, I don't think it would be surprising if somebody wanted a sort of like steely midfielder uh, for a cut rate price. But more than likely, I think he stays with Fortuna next season. Worth noting, he has already been through a relegation and then playing in the two Bundesliga for a season with Ingolstadt. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he stays there. And I think that makes sense because it seems like he's pretty settled at enjoying his life there. The other player who is decidedly not enjoying his time in Germany is the player I mentioned previously. It's Bobby Wood. Wood, oh, 27 yeah. years old, I remember him. Uh, still at Hamburg, six appearances, 153 minutes this season, zero goals. Six appearances was more than I thought it was going to be until I realized that his last appearance was when he was subbed off at halftime in November and has Oof. not played since then. Um, 
the situation, as I understand it, remains as it was, which is basically he is open to a move to Major League Soccer, but he is on a salary, I believe, in excess of 3 million euros a year at Hamburg, so isn't really willing to give that up until that contract expires. Uh, he did reportedly reject a $1 million a year offer from FC Cincinnati. So what seems to make the most sense uh, in terms of a move I would like to see is one that like, basically I have genuinely no idea about because he has not played in so long that I can't say like, oh, he does this really, really well. Like a lot of it would be me kind of going off of what I've seen from him like two years ago. So you're so, refusing to make a judgment? You're refusing no, to make a call? I will say this. Basically, anywhere where he is going to feel motivated and where he will actually play is where I want him to go. The latest rumor I saw is that DC United evidently have a discovery claim option on him, and as recently as March, we're in conversations with him about potentially joining. They obviously also also do not have uh, a ton of goal-scoring options, so it does make a lot of sense. It does seem like it would be a bit of, uh, to use the phrase once again, a roll of the dice for DC United because it's a player that we haven't really seen in a very long time, has, I believe, since the restart been training with the reserves, has been kind of frozen out of the team entirely. So I don't know what we would be getting there. I would hope that DC scouts would sort of have watched some footage of him or been to see him or been to talk to him to know that he's going to be motivated and ready to go. But it's just been so long since we talked about Bobby Wood being an informed striker and doing good things both for the national team and at club level that uh, wherever he's going to go, wherever that becomes a possibility, I am okay with. Unless he sort of... Um, lost a step or something that we don't know about. I think Bobby Wood would do magnificently in Major League Soccer. Yeah, I, and and that's the thing is like I did spend a lot of time trying to figure out like to the point where I was looking in German articles and then translating them over to see if I could find some tidbit about a falling out or what he did. There really isn't much reporting about it. There really isn't a, a concise explanation as to what's gone wrong. All I can figure is that his style didn't fit with what they were trying to do, and he wasn't really able to change it or willing to change it. And so in the end, it just kind of became surplus to requirements. Or maybe his salary didn't fit with what they were trying to do. So when Hamburg get relegated to the second mm-hmm. tier, they probably wanted to move him on. But maybe Bobby Wood didn't want to give up that yeah. like three million plus salary, mm-hmm. and that might have been the impasse. Yeah, I mean, that could be, it still stands to reason then that if he's not going anywhere, you might want to try to use him. But I guess as we saw with Sendel Until I Die, if you have a player who's refusing to sort of take a pay cut and compromise for the good of the team, then maybe you kind of already know what you need to know. And we don't know that that's the situation, right? That is pure Total Soccer Show speculation. Mm -hmm. And we apologize to Bobby Wood if that is not true. (laughs) Uh, Final one on my list, DeAndre Yedlin. Yeah. What I've read is that his people have had meetings with the people at Newcastle and he basically he's on the way out at Newcastle. Right? Right? Yeah, it, that's I keep I keep seeing it as though like all right, where should he go next? Not a like should he get a move? Is he okay there? It does seem like yeah, the writing's on the wall. He's yep. been told and we're going to go in a different direction. And it's regardless of whether there's a big money takeover or not. Yep. He has fallen down the pecking order at Newcastle. He apparently wants to stay in Europe. Um here's um the my big idea, send him to Schalke. Schalke um, couldn't keep John Joe Kenny, who was their right back on loan from Everton last season. Schalke currently do not have a right back. Um, I think Yedlin, I don't think there's going to be many suitors for him, right? And he, so he's not going to be too expensive. So I think it would make sense if Schalke are just looking to put together a cut price um, band of misfits. I think DeAndre Yedlin sort of being shown the door at Newcastle, Schalke would be the perfect place to go and sort of show people what he's all about. So we know from David Amoyal that teams are going to be looking to do sort of swap deals where they can inflate values to yeah. then make it seem like they're doing better. Have you been reading my notes? 
No. Are you about to propose the Yedlin for McKinney swap deal? I, well, I mean, Yedlin plus some money for That's, McKinney that was, swap deal. That was, all right, so here's actually my question was going to be, what would that plus need to be? Like, my starting was like, would Yedlin and 10 million get that job done? Um, probably not for Schalke, right? I mean, with all respect to Yedlin, I think he's at such a low ebb at the moment mm-hmm. in terms of um, his his career and his standing. It wouldn't surprise me if, like, if, say, Newcastle and Schalke are haggling over the last couple million, if Yedlin can be the the make way to that just pushes it Oh, no. Line. Yeah. <laughs> Am I being too disrespectful here? Maybe I'm being too no, disrespectful. No, it's just, it, it is just the, like, I tell you what, we'll throw him in. How about that? It's like, like it's like the old thing of, like, negotiating a car, and they're like, we'll give you these sunglasses. Well, what, what I'm trying <laughs> like, to really make clear is it's not yeah. as if, like, say the price for McKenney is 25 million, and yeah. Schalke are willing to value DeAndre Yedlin at, like, 13 million, and just take yeah. Yedlin plus 12. That's not how it's going to work, is it? Because Schalke okay. need the money. They need, yeah. they need proper income from their assets that they can sell. Mm-hmm. But McKenny, so Yedlin plus 15? <laughs> no, I'm thinking more like 20 something. Okay, yeah. okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, it would be a bummer because yeah. I, I still, I like DeAndre Yedlin and would like to see him be successful. I'm surprised you didn't put him with Southampton. I assume that's where we were going. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? That's how, my Southampton takes are based on uh, proper fits for playing style. And I do, uh-huh. I want to make sure, sorry, I didn't say this. Like, the reason I'm so certain that Yedlin is leaving is that the other two right backs at Newcastle have been given contract extensions. Yeah. Yedlin's deal is up, I believe, next year. He has mm-hmm. not been offered a contract extension. Right. And that also yeah. is part of the reason why he won't hold significant value in the market is because he has one year left to go on his deal yeah yeah so i yeah i think therefore a move makes sense i wouldn't hate it at Schalke. it is just that like when they say specifically yeah we're not even trying for europe anymore it's just it would it feels like it would be a a bummer of a time to go there whereas in the past it would have been a really exciting thing i mean he's still going to play in front of a a packed crowd of enthusiastic fans and that is a very good thing and in a lot of ways i guess that feels like playing for newcastle yeah right i mean some <laughs> now, would now say, that i think about it some would say that given the massive massive size of both clubs and the lack of mm-hmm. success at both clubs yep. schalke and newcastle are not dissimilar Working class towns too, right? Or yes. working class teams? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. You you might have taught me into this one from that standpoint right. alone. And I actually think it would be a good move for Yedlin. He'll be playing for yeah. a big team, and there is the possibility that Schalke are sort of like this these scrappy upstarts that really put it together, right? And I do I love Yedlin's um, attitude, right, and his enthusiasm mm-hmm. and his sort of uh, commitment. I think he's a magnificent player in that sense. So yeah, I think he'd he'd be a really good fit at Schalke. David Wagner would have at least managed against him. So He'd know who he was. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. All right, and we... obviously, as, as a full-blooded American, David Wagner would also want to look out for the U.S. men's national team to the extent possible. Mm-hmm. 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 Again, yeah. anytime a player plays for the U.S. men's national team, they're automatically American through and through. I'm sure the, US, the U.S. men's national team is all that David Wagner thinks about. Um, 100% any, all day, every day. Any more players to, uh, to mention, transfer rumor players to mention, before we move on to scouting? I'm aware we're sort of running long here. No, I think I'm good. All right. You want to move on to scouting? Let's do it. Let's do it. We have reports from the Total Sock Show Scouting Network. Um, some Americans, some mm-hmm. non-Americans. I'll get us started, Taylor. Victor Savage is scouting Ricardo Kishner, 
25-year-old Dutch winger. I think we have the oldest player in the scout network here. Yeah. Um, Victor says, Kishner's knee injury was being treated in the United States before lockdown, and he has since returned to the Netherlands, where he remains unattached. Oh, this is one of those scouting things where a career's really gone off the rails, right? With this injury. Victor says, Kishner's availability may be attractive to teams looking for cheap transfers in the post-COVID market, but his appalling injury history may make it tough to find a club on the level of Lazio or Ajax, which I believe is where he was before, if he can find one at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that is sad news for Kishna. <laughs> yeah, we're, at start, least, we're starting on a down right here. But at least he can take Salas in. There's another 25-year-old in this very scouting report. So at oh, least really? he is not by far the, uh, the oldest player. Can yeah. I take a guess? Uh, is it Tyler Boyd? It is. Uh, but before we get to Tyler Boyd, let's talk Takafusa Kubo, who is decidedly not the oldest player in the scouting <laughs> network. Takafusa Kubo is scouted by Todd Ito. Takafusa Kubo is a 19-year-old Japanese attacker on loan at Mallorca from Real Madrid, whose name I love to say, Takafusa Kubo. <laughs> uh, young Take uh, has been a regular starter for Mallorca, doing his usual work of dribbling past people, creating chances, and earning free kicks. He scored his first goal uh, since the restart on July 9th against Levante by leaping in the air and one-timing a rebound off the goalkeeper into the back (laughs) of the net. (laughs) That's the way to do it. I hope he yelled smash when he did it. Uh, What he did do is then uh, celebrate by running over to his manager, Vicente Moreno, uh, and bowing, (laughs) Japanese-style, before hugging him, (laughs) Spanish-style. It was cute, says Todd. Uh, For the season, Kubo has four goals and four assists. His stats would probably be better if his team weren't so bad. (laughs) Kaz Tidrick is scouting Mm -hmm. Robbie Mertz, 23-year-old American midfielder for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Robbie started, scored, and went the full 90 in the Hounds' 3-1 win over Louisville City to kick off the 2020 season. I forgot USL was back. I had to go check this because I was like, is this an outdated report? And like you sent it to us like because he did this in March? Nope, it already happened like a week ago. Wow. Okay, cool. (sighs) Robbie's Mm -hmm. goal came less than a minute into the second half after Louisville gave the ball away to striker Ropapa Mensa, who quickly Mm -hmm. passed the ball over to Robbie, who shot from the top of the box. I am still shocked that the USL Championship is back. I'm not sure that that's safe. Agreed. Uh, but while we're on the topic of it, let's talk James Jones scouting Andrew Carlton, Carlton, excuse me, or Carlton, whatever, 19-year-old American attacker for Atlanta United 2. The return of USL meant the return of Carlton assists. <laughs> Andrew got the start and in the 52nd minute sent a bending 40-yard ball through to Tyler Passioner uh, for the winning goal. Other reviews of Carlton's play labeled it a bit uneven, but getting a bit of end product has certainly, uh, hopefully, helped his confidence. I feel like we've been saying the same thing for two years. Correct. Yeah. John Adams, not that one, not the one you're thinking of. Mm. John Adams is scouting Shayon Harrison, 23-year-old striker for Almere City. Um, Harrison hasn't played in a professional soccer match since March 6th, when Almere City played their last game of the now called-off Airstead de Divisi. That's the second tier in uh, the Netherlands. Shayon has one year remaining on his current contract with the club, which maybe means he will play second division soccer in the Netherlands again at some point in the future. Again, indeed. <laughs> Nathan Heilman, final report of the day, is scouting Tyler Boyd, the aforementioned 25-year-old American winger for Besiktas. Uh, after sitting out a game for yellow card accumulation, Tyler Boyd returned to Besiktas' squad with a start and scored his first league goal of the season. There we go. Positive news <laughs> to end. And a 3-2 win over Kasim Pasha. Uh, from the right wing, Boyd played the ball across field to Jana Erkin, uh, who beat a man, drove towards goal, then played the ball back across the box for Boyd to slide in at the far post. Besiktas currently occupied the Super League's last Last Europa League spot, four points ahead of Galatasaray with two games to play. Taylor, have you seen this goal? I have not. Nathan is being very, very generous. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering. All right, let me go back. Because Nathan very uh-huh. kindly sent a link to mm-hmm. the goal so we should wa- we could watch it, right? Mm-hmm. When Nathan says, from the right wing, Boyd played the ball cross-field <laughs> to Kana Erkin, um, what actually happened is Tyler Boyd 
played a cross in and overhit it so much that it went out to the left wing where it was collected. It's all deception, Daryl. It's all deception. You don't know. You don't know what he meant. I do know what he was going for and he he overdid it. Yeah, he overhit this. But it was a really good like arrive at the far post and finish. So at least Mm. it ended well. Uh, This will be a thing that like three people in the world will appreciate. I... John Erkin might be 45 years old. I did not know he was still playing, so that's good to know. Uh, was it the case then when that ball comes in, was it a good finish or was it like a tap in at the far post? No, it was like a committed like uh, barrel right. towards the post, right? To make sure to get there. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's not bad. Yeah. That's okay. So, I mean, it's good I'll that Tyler that. Boyd's scoring, right? We, we yeah. need uh, Tyler Boyd to rediscover some form. But I, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit similar to our conversation about Giassi Zardes yesterday, right? It's like, he scores, but there's also an overhit cross that was not ideal when it comes to his service. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's very similar to uh, Zardes' second goal, right? With the, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the there we go. Um, yeah. Speaking of MLS, of course, MLS Assist. Make sure to listen to that if you're wondering where all our MLS coverage is, our MLS's back coverage. It's on MLS Assist, and it's being delivered by Joe and Jordan, and it is magnificent, and it is coming out every single day. MLS Assist, the podcast for MLS tactics nerds. <laughs> that <laughs> that is be the marketing line. Accurate. <laughs> I, I count myself as one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Taylor, I'm going to close up by saying thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Did you at least push your glasses up when you said you were a nerd? And if not, please do that now. As I say, right back at you, buddy. Every single time. Every there we go. single time. Um, so coming up on the rest of the week for the Total Soccer Show, before I say goodbye to listeners, um, mm-hmm. on Friday, there'll be an allocation disorder with Paul Tenorio and Sam Stagegal. Um This weekend, we're going to be doing some double reviews, right? We're going to review yeah, we both FA Cup semifinals and uh, all four NWSL Challenge Cup quarter finals probably two shows one on saturday one on sunday reviewing half the games um, on each show so keep an eye out and an ear out for total soccer show in your ears this weekend (laughs) both of those things eyes and ears everybody pay attention no smells because that wouldn't make sense Uh -uh. listeners thank you for listening and we will talk to you again this weekend